0: And so I, I'm pretty excited about this. We have the opportunity by studying the same thing, by reading the Book of Mark, maybe in our devotions, to have some great intergenerational conversations about what the Lord is teaching each of us in these moments. The Gospel of Mark—it's it's likely the earliest gospel that was written, and it's actually also because it's the shortest. It is the shortest gospel, and that's because Mark doesn't really mince words. He doesn't, he's not uh, one about eloquent speech and making something longer than it has to be. Uh, One of the things that you're going to find as you read through this book is you'll find words like, immediately, immediately this happened. Or they moved to this place. You don't hear a lot of traveling narratives. They just all of a sudden go from one place, and immediately this happened, and immediately this person was healed, and so on. And so as we begin in the book of Mark, we're going to go uh, to chapter 1, verse 1 of all places, right? That's where we're going to begin. And students, I believe in your Bibles it should be around page 1,218. Uh, if you grab one of those black Bibles that's in front of you, I think that's around page 812, and we're going to read the first eight verses of Mark. And I want to preface, we are not going to have a sermon on each uh, section of Scripture within Mark. If we did that, I would probably be in Mark for the next year, knowing how long I take to get through something, right? Right. Uh, So we're not going to hit every passage. That's why it's really great if you, uh, on your own time, take uh, part in reading some of those passages that are going to be listed in the weekly email. So let's begin with Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. as we begin reading in Mark's gospel, he shares the purpose of his book right away. It's about the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Messiah. And though though Mark is writing largely to, to Roman people and Gentile people who really maybe don't have the understanding of the Old Testament or the scriptures, the Torah, and the prophets that, that the Israelites would have, he begins telling of the good news by connecting these individuals, these Romans and these Gentiles, to the Old Testament. He says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, and and now um, if you have a Bible that has like little notes. Oftentimes, it'll have like little letters like C, B, D, and they correspond to things down in the bottom. What you're going to find is that not only was it maybe the prophet Isaiah that said this, but there's actually passages from Exodus and Malachi that Mark takes and he makes it all into one passage. And his, his focus is saying that there's this messenger that will come to prepare the way, that was one of the sections. A voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him. What Mark does is by taking these three sections of Scripture and making them down into one passage that he's quoting, he's saying that all the Torah from Exodus, those first five books of the Bible, all the minor prophets like Malachi and the others, and all the other prophets, like the major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and so on, they're all pointing to what is about to happen. All the the scriptures that came before are pointing to what is about to happen. John. John coming to this world to prepare people for one who will come after God had planned on John coming far before John came, and so John a Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness. The people had been waiting for hundreds of years. There had been, in effect, about 400 years of what they called silence, They didn't feel like they were hearing from the Lord. The Lord didn't seem to be doing much among them. And then now, seemingly out of nowhere, John comes and he appears in the wilderness. Someone coming before Jesus himself was going to come. John is that voice calling in the wilderness. He was shouting out, shouting out to the people who had longed to be hearing from the Lord for 400 years. He was shouting out and speaking into the dreams that people passed down for years and years and years that there was a Messiah that was to come and restore the kingdom of Israel. And yet... There was a point where John wasn't just speaking into the dreams of the Israelites, he was likely speaking into the nightmares of those in power, as the, the power of the world would be confronted by the power of God. The people in power, they'd often heard the stories. They were among the people, among the people that spoke of freedom that was coming from a Messiah, the people in the stories that were talked about, about a liberator coming to free them from the captivity they were amidst. They knew the stories of a coming king that would reign. But though John was speaking into the dreams of the people of Israel, and maybe the nightmares of those in power, neither those in power nor the people of Israel knew what type of freedom they would receive. But one thing was certain. The Jewish were not thinking that there would be one coming preaching repentance. And yet, that's what John came preaching. He came preaching the word saying they must repent from what they had been doing. And yet, what happens when John begins to preach about repentance? We start hearing about people from the Judean countryside leaving their homes and their villages and their cities, journeying into the wilderness to find John. We hear people coming from Jerusalem, the the holy city where the temple was, leaving behind the temple and walking out into the wilderness to find John, to repent and confess sin and to be baptized. You know, the word repent literally means to turn away from means they're taking on a new way of thinking. Turning away from the old way and into a new way. Turning away from where I think about myself and I'm centered on what I want and what I need to now I repent of that thought and now I turn in a new direction thinking about what other people need and what other people Desire, right? Turning away of thinking I am the most important person in the world to thinking of others more important than myself. Taking on a new mindset of thinking. Then we learn a little bit more about John and, and what John is like. And he's wearing clothing made of camel's hair. He's got this leather belt and he's eating locusts and wild honey. You might wonder why does it matter what John's wearing? Why does Mark share this tidbit of information that honestly it makes it seem like he might have been out in the sun a little bit too long? Maybe he should have learn to grow a little bit better food out in the desert. The reality of why Mark shares this is that it's to show that John is way far off from being mainstream. John isn't the guy that's walking through the cities and the synagogues gathering followers by his smooth speech. No, instead John is is one who's really opposite of the institutions of the day. He's saying, go in the opposite way. Don't head to the city. Head out to the wilderness. Take on a path and a direction that is going to leave behind the comfort that you're familiar with and going in a direction that you didn't think you were going to go before. Come, follow the man with the odd clothing and the weird diet. But the reality is that they began following a prophet. These Israelites began following a prophet similar to what they had known before. For there was one prophet who came dressed in camel hair. And his name was Elijah. John invites people to the hard journey. A hard journey that the Israelite people would have been familiar with all along. Inviting them out into the wilderness. The same way that Israel was invited into the wilderness earlier on by another prophet, Moses. God brought Israel from the comfort of what they knew, even though they were slaves, out into the wilderness of the unexpected and unknown. And as they entered into the wilderness, God made them pass through the waters of the sea, the Red Sea, to gain freedom. Though after they passed through into that freedom, they still needed to wander the wilderness, there was a promise that was held out for them that was to come one day, and that was when they arrived at the promised land. Now John invites these Israelite people on a similar journey. He invites them into the wilderness of the unknown. He invites them to pass through the waters of the Jordan River to receive freedom from what had been ailing them before, with the promise of something that was to come, the Messiah. This invitation kind of has a sharp edge to it, because for someone to get into the water, that meant they had to believe that they themselves were defiled and that they were unclean and that they had been living wrongly. The Jordan River was used for cleansing of people who were unclean. If we think about the prophet Elijah, he sent Naaman into the river. He uh, he who was unclean became clean after he washed and that's what God Lord is doing with the people of Israel as he sends them out into the wilderness to be washed to be clean working in the heart of a people that that had this hardness of their heart that didn't want to believe that they did anything wrong and now they come from all over to follow a teaching that they had not heard before to leave behind the conventions that they knew to repent and to be baptized. And the reality of what's happening here is that it's something that's offered to each and every one of us as well. If we head back to the first couple of verses of Mark, it almost has a double meaning. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. Perhaps, perhaps in one way, it is speaking of John preparing the way for Jesus. But in a second way, perhaps the messenger is Jesus who prepares a way for us. As one who calls out in the wilderness to call us from the comfort of what is known, to a path that is straight and led by him. Jesus really is the ultimate messenger, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, and the ultimate king, the one who would prepare our way. As Jesus prepared our way to him, he walked through the wilderness, so to speak walking through the wilderness of experiencing the anger of people in the world. By walking through the wilderness of this world, experiencing what he thought was close friends who decided to turn their back on him. Experiencing the wilderness of the world as he lost people close to him. Experiencing the wilderness of the world just as we would walk through the wilderness of the world. And yet, through his living in the wilderness of our world, it would would be Jesus who would prepare a way and show us the way that we are to live to give us a guide of what it is that we are to do within this world. He gave us this example of right living and right loving. Yet there was something that would separate the messenger of John from the messenger that we'd receive in Jesus. For John was only going to baptize with water. But it was Jesus who was going to baptize with the Spirit. We've kept the practice of baptism within the church. We've had the opportunity to see several baptisms this year. Small children and middle schoolers like Audrey a couple months ago. But as wonderful as it is to see those images of baptism where we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, where we believe that we are being cleansed and being offered promises that God is going to to give us, redeem us, and restore us, the greater gift that we receive is one that goes often unseen, the gift of the Spirit within each and every one of us. Jesus, a great messenger that came, when he would leave, he would not leave us alone, yet he would baptize us with the Spirit so that in all our days, in in every single day, every hour, every minute of every year, we would not be walking through the wilderness of this world on our own. We would be walking with the Spirit who would assist in making our paths straight. He offers us the Spirit to, to recognize those moments where we need to repent and turn from a behavior, to turn from a way of thinking and into a new way of thinking. To change our way of living. It's the spirit at work in our life that assists in us not following the powers in the institutions of the day, but instead to advocate for and to follow Christ. To follow God's kingdom and seek after those things within God's kingdom that he wants us to experience Right now. The invitation we receive from from Mark here at the beginning is an invitation to prepare our hearts for the messenger. To prepare our hearts to receive the messenger, but to prepare our hearts to receive the Holy Spirit who will guide us will guide us in right living, in making our path straight. Would you pray with me as we think about how God is working in us and through us in the coming year? Lord, we thank you for bringing your messenger, bringing the messenger John to the people of Israel, bringing the messenger Jesus to all the world. May we as your people, as people who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit through the power of Jesus, be those who would live and move in ways that honor him, that we would move in ways that cause us to be a messenger for him here on this earth advocating for your kingdom and your glory and your honor. It's in Christ's name that we pray.